I bet they have a Quarks. Oh, oh, Tendi, not just any Quarks, the original Quarks. You're excited for a franchise restaurant? You guys are such tourists. We just gotta move a couple crates onto this Karma ship and the rest of the day is ours. Y'all have fun with that. I'm staying right here and relaxing. So does that mean you're free today? Oh, uh, hey, thought, thought you were still asleep. Hi, Hi Jennifer. Jennifer. Hey, guys. So I'm hanging with my friends today and I've been dying for you to get to know them. Oh, yeah, you know, um, so I should, I'm gonna go give them a tour of DS9 because <laughs> without me, they'll probably get lost and end up in a mirror universe with Smiley. Oh, no, we won't. Yeah, we have maps. Mariner, you were just saying how much you hate this station. Why don't you stay here, have some fun with Jennifer? Castro's hosting a salon today. You're gonna love it. Mwah. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Carnegie, and with me, Stockpiling Federation-wide booze are... Bill Woiwad. And Rudy Kusbaker. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today, we'll be sharing a recap of the Lower Decks episode, Hear All, Trust Nothing. As always, make sure to follow us on social media. If you don't already, we go at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, tell your friends about the podcast, spread the word, help us get some new listeners and give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app because that helps us appear just a little bit higher anytime someone searches for a Star Trek podcast to listen to. And we are ethically obliged to inform you that you will be spoiled if you listen to this podcast, spoiled about obviously this Lower Decks episode. Um, there are other parts of of a Trek lore and, and, and different types of Trek series, sci-fi in general, maybe even beyond that. But um, yeah, maybe watch this episode before uh, listening to this podcast. All right. Well, this week we're going to talk about Hear All, Trust Nothing, as Bill told you earlier. It's the sixth episode of the third season of Star Trek Lower Decks. First aired on 29th September 2022. It was written by Grace Barra Janney, which for a second looked like Grace Janeway to me, but it's not. It's Grace Barra Janney. And it was directed by Phil Mark Sagadraka. And the in-universe date is 584-56.2. I always wondered what the point in the star dates mean. You know, why, why do you I need to point something? Like, are they giving us the like, exact second reference with that i i was just gonna say i see what you did there by saying i don't see what the point in star dates mean there you go <laughs> or are <laughs> yeah yeah there you go there you go all right well we always start with our strange new takes so who's got a strange new take for me i can jump in here mm-hmm. it's gonna be short and sweet <clears throat> an open face sandwich is not a sandwich <laughs> definitionally <laughs> A sandwich um, requires two pieces of bread. Uh, <laughs> um, what if you put it in your mouth when you by folding it and then bite? Is is the is the point of decision when you make the bite or when it's set in front of you? I think if you fold it, then it, then it's allowed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so for this episode, I mean, I, I'm a huge Deep Space Nine fan. It's my favorite Trek series, so I loved it. Um, you know, I, but I just have to, I have to share with you guys that I was watching this last night 
and my wife came in the room and she like paused and looked at the TV for like a few seconds. And she was like, is, is this supposed to be funny? <laughs> I said, yeah, and it is. <laughs> if you're a huge Star Trek nerd, if you're right. not, it probably does not make any sense. Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the age old question of the lower decks, right? Like, is this funny to us as Trekkies or is this just generally funny? <laughs> I think, yeah, it's, it's a it's a valid question. I think if you have I think you have to have at least some kind of nerd background in sci fi generally and you know it helps to have seen all of star trek <laughs> yeah yeah it, it does give you like I, I feel like that you you it like knowing who quark is probably helps this episode but anyway we can talk right. about that when yeah. we get into it but um well my strange new take it's gonna be a little bit serious which is that let's stop relitigating anthony bourdain's tragic death uh, there was a new unauthorized biography that came out with new salacious statements about the last days of his life. And, you know, it's just, it's led to some internet mobbing around people who, again, I'm not making judgments about their quality as human beings, but like, it's just led to a lot of like, well, she killed Tony or whatever. And it's like, you know, the man killed himself. Let's just leave it at that. Let's celebrate his life and move on. That's my strange new take, kind of a non-sequitur, but I'll leave it at that. Uh, with this episode, I can't wait for a tasteful tribute like this to Voyager. Like, I, I'm kind of jealous if Phase 9 got to go first. I mean, this this whole TV show is about TNG, so they've always been around TNG, but now, like, we get DS9. Like, when, when's, when, when's Voyager going to get, like, a true shot? Like, we had Tom Paris on the show, but, like, come on, y'all. Uh, can, we, can, can they visit the Voyager Museum? Like, that would be great. So Voyager is still your favorite uh, Star Trek series, Notch? A few episodes ago, there was a bit of a shift noticed, but... Uh, I I don't know, my friend. I think, I think, I think it's, it's quality versus sentimentality, right? Like, which one are you more mm. sentimentally attached to versus which is the more, like, enjoyable show to have on the screen? So, um, sorry, I just have to interject here. Did you guys see that um, apparently one of the new series in development is a seven of nine series? I did I see heard that. about it. Yeah. yeah. But it's one of the, I mean, the, the, uh, is it before or after the Section 31 and the Starfleet yeah, Academy exactly. show get released, right? <laughs> I th I'm guessing that they've bumped one of those um, and that the seven sure. of nine show will take its place. Yeah. I don't, uh, probably probably the section 30 31 show got bumped but so, so i guess it feels more legit than section 31 i, I guess is what we're saying um yeah cool yeah um I'll, I'll do my strange new take um it's fascinating um it's it's maybe i don't know it's like a weird coincidence bill um my strange new take is very very similar to uh, your take but it's and I'll go I'll, I'll go to the Star Trek side of it first because it's just it's just crazy interesting um when I was watching this episode my wife walked by and looked at it and and I was I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this because you said what you said I was gonna I, was, I planned to say this before and it was that it was that snippet where you know they first come out of warp in front of a deep space nine and they and, and they have to like waste time so they keep going round and round. Was that was that the same time? Dude, same scene. 
same scene. And so she and so she looked at it, and she doesn't watch much Trek, but I think she's had so much passive smoking with, with that intro scene. <laughs> and she looked at it. She was like, "Hey, it sounds familiar." She she tuned in just enough to get the joke, and she got the jo- joke. She laughed out loud and left. <laughs> you know, you know, guys. Funny story. My wife walked in while that scene was going. I was like, "Shit, didn't you get divorced ten years ago?" <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, that's a crazy coincidence. And my whole my whole pitch for this podcast is going to be: it's so nice that there's so much to make fun of uh, in Star Trek lore that that I'm surprised that there's just one show doing it. There's so much content, and it. I'm sure it applies to this large audience of Star Trek partners and spouses and and friends and all who 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 know just enough. So, um, yeah, we we could talk about it. Um, my my uh, real world take. Uh, I've been missing for a couple of episodes, and I'd given some updates. Uh, I was closely following the Artemis launch and its uh, you know successive <laughs> rollbacks. I guess what nothing's changed. Uh, it was it was rolled back. Uh, the launch was canceled. One of the possible launches was canceled for last week, uh, again for very real um, uh, reasons in terms of Hurricane uh, Ian and the, and the effects, and you know making sure everybody and their families had time to um, to prepare and 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 be safe. Uh, but beyond that, general update: if if anybody has not been following. Um, I actually listened to a podcast or two uh, from the from the series that you pointed out, um, uh, Bill. I think it's Miko, right? Uh, Main oh, yeah. engine well, cutoff. Yeah. yeah, and it's really nice. I liked it too. It's technical enough, but simple enough at the same time. It's so weird. I don't know how they do it. And there's so much wrong or so much in doubt and so much to worry about in terms of not Artemis per se, but that whole launch system. So here's, you know, fingers crossed, the next dates come somewhere in November. But uh, at this point in time, I I really hope somebody gets back to the moon. I'm just saying somebody gets back to the moon before, you know, um, before maybe China does. So (laughs) so Rudy, which, what's the over under? Um, does, Does SLS launch first or Starship Orbital? I think at this point it's a toss up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but if you look at if you look at if you look at the 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 testing hygiene um and the amount of data that comes from testing and you compare both, I think Starship has so much more advantage there because they just have so many more uh so many more rockets to like and, and they've been like launching and and crashing and launching and crashing but this thing hasn't gotten off the ground yet. So it's, it's, yeah. and in the way it's set up, like there's so many checks that need to go in to get it off the ground. Like there's too many variables and there's stuff that's supposed to happen in moon orbit when, when it's like, it's like a classic case of complicated project management where the risks are just, it's like a red project. Yeah. So neither of you is going to talk about the DART mission that pounded into an asteroid this week and we've got the classic video of the like mission controllers like geeking out and clapping i can quickly do it if you want like i can do a 30 second or do you want want to do do it it. yeah so uh sci-fi met reality earlier this week when um 
NASA JPL, I think. No, sorry, NASA John Hopkins, yeah. Uh, uh, successfully executed a mission to to aim at a at a moon of an asteroid, so a mini asteroid, in order to hit it, kinetic impact, hit it directly, and move it as the first attempt to potentially move asteroids uh, that pose a danger to Earth. So planetary defense, that term has only been in sci-fi shows, movies, and games. It's it's reality now. Hopefully, we'll get data over the next. A uh, few few months and even years, there's another mission that's supposed to go out there, European mission called HERA, I think, to get pictures and, and understand how orbits have changed. So yeah, hopefully moving in the right, uh, right direction. And hopefully we haven't missed the math on this, which then starts a cascade-like situation, <laughs> send stuff towards it. You know, but there was a... I, th I think it's important at this point, though, you know, most of us are happy about this mission, but there's a large group of offshore drilling professionals who are very upset because now once an asteroid comes, they're not going to be recruited by Bruce Willis to go into space and drill <laughs> on the asteroid and insert nuclear weapons. <laughs> um, was that wait? That was the that was Armageddon with Bruce Willis, right? Because like Deep yeah. Impact is the other. I can't remember which one is the movie. Yeah, that was Armageddon. Okay, he, he did a more terrible. He did like a terrible movie in the last five years, I think, a space space sci fi movie which I haven't seen yet, but I really want to, uh, called Breach or something. But yeah, the one that you're talking about is Armageddon from a very long time ago. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a segue, but I'm gonna try to get us to Star Trek. Okay, let's see. Bruce Willis <laughs> actually just sold his likeness and voice so that we, there can be like ai generated movies that he stars in through like deep faking and stuff which i it's kind of interesting so he has a motor neuron disease that prevents him from comprehending language at the moment or like communicating so it's like first of all how did he sell how did he bruce willis i don't know how much he might have sold it might be his estate or his power of attorney that's doing this but anyway the point being we could theoretically have more like actual TOS episodes, right? Like you could take those like weird like knockoff TOS YouTube movies that were made and like deep fake Shatner and Nemo and the rest into them. Um, and it kind of gets us into this like, I think this is, I mean, I think fans and of all types of movies and TV shows are like kind of like this. Some people are like super against it. Some people are like, oh, I don't know. And then others are excited. But I think for some like star trek which so much is based on like the iconic actors and their portrayals of different characters now you can literally have a reboot with shatner right like you don't and young shatner you don't need to have a reboot with like chris pine playing uh kirk you can have shatner playing kirk so i wonder if we're gonna get like some like star trek tribute episode like a, the you know the, the like 100th anniversary of star trek gives us like Shatner and Nimoy stepping back into the part or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So there is a YouTube video um, of a deep fake, like of one of those like fan Star Trek oh, really? uh, productions. Yeah, and it, I, I'm sure it could be done well in this video. It's like a little bit like Uncanny Valley because it just kind of maps their face, but like like the jawline is not right. Yeah. And, you, you know, uh, so it's... But it's pretty close, you know, and I think if with like good production values, you could do it almost exactly. And Star Wars has been much more willing to experiment with that kind of stuff than Star Trek. But yeah, I mean, they Star Wars did that to Mark Hamill. Um, yeah, they didn't do it. The funny thing is they didn't do it with Princess Leia in 
Mandalorian. They actually CG generated her. And then I believe some guy on YouTube went and like actually did a deep fake of that CG with <laughs> uh, Carrie Fisher uh, from, from the original trilogy of Star Wars. And then he got a job at ILM because of that. Because he demonstrated how much better. better. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, we could see that happen in Star Trek at some point. You know, like if if we send, like, say, for example, Strange New Worlds meets, um, I don't know, Kirk's Enterprise or something. Like, we've already met Kirk, and he's been played by that uh, Paul Wesley. But you could technically have, like, Anson Mount meeting Shatner playing Kirk. Like, like it could happen. Um, yeah. You don't need to go to the extent of like trial, the uh, trials and tribulations in DS9. Anyway, see, I told you I would get us back to Star Trek, and then I got us back to Deep Space Nine, which gets us back to this episode of Lower Decks. Um, here's the episode summary from Memory Alpha. The Cinitos crew unexpectedly spends a day on Deep Space Nine. Okay, like job done, check for the person writing summaries on Memory Alpha, and like this is. <laughs> Like, how many words is this? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 11 words. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to try to do a little bit better, which is uh, Captain Freeman is unexpectedly called into a deep diplomatic mission at Deep Space Nine, which allows the lower deckers to get into hijinks on the storied space station. How about that? How about that? Is that better? Much better. Thank you. Much Thank better. You. Thank Nailed you. it. I, I, I sometimes think I should name myself William because I, I am a true Shakespeare of our times. So. <laughs> anyway. Or you uh, could be a junior reporter on Deep Space Nine, but we'll get to that. Yes, yes, of course. All right. Well, so the cold open basically shows us that the Cerritos is delivering alcohol to, to the Karima, which is the alien species involved in this diplomatic incident. And um, first of all, do you all remember the Karima from Deep Space Nine, do you all remember their involvement? My understanding is that James Cromwell, who played... Uh, um, Zephyr Cochran. Zephyr yeah. Cochran was a Karima. Am I, am I remembering that right? He looked... He, there's a picture from a memory alpha that makes him look very similar to that species. I saw that same picture, and that's the first thing that came to my mind. I have no way of... I mean, I haven't validated it yet, but yeah. That's okay, came I, will, I will go figure this out. They have appeared in three episodes of DS9, uh, The Search, Profit Motive, and Starship Down. Do you all, uh, do you all know, do you all remember any of their stuff from, from uh, Deep Space Nine? I, I actually don't. I, I, I vaguely remember like them, them deciding between the, the Dominion and us and uh, Cisco trying to make a case and and trying to protect them or something, and then Cisco gets shot down with Quark, and they spent time together, and he hates Quark for it or something like that, like somewhere in the in 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 the Gamma Quadrant, but just vague memories. But that did come that did come to mind when the plot went towards that that Quark prior connect. So Sparangi established contact between the Karima and the Alpha Quadrant after the wormhole opened. And they used to supply, the Karima used to supply tulaberry wine to the Alpha Quadrant. And as we learn in in this episode, they believe they had nothing to do with the Dominion War. So uh, I think we leave it at that. Yes, there is a Karima played by James Cromwell named Hanok. 
So James Cromwell has two links to, to this lower deck season. Anyway, well, so the Cerritos is on a Cerritos-type mission, which is to deliver booze to <laughs> alien species when they're interrupted by Admiral Les, uh, and I, I, I apologize to anyone that actually has his name, Les Bu Buenamigo, I hope I got that right. And Captain Freeman is placed in the position of having to do actual di diplomacy. So like the Cerritos has to step into the, the breach of doing tasks that a galaxy-class starship might have to do. But she's not prepared, so she has to delay. And Captain Ransom does a does a good job of delaying. What do you think of the delay tactic, guys? It was funny for well, my was, wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it was in the trailer for this season of Lower Deck. So I mean, I knew it was gonna happen. But yeah, it was great. It's great. I did it's, I did not watch that trailer. So to me it was oh, really? like Oh, holy shit, they're playing the Deep Space Nine theme? Well, that's kind of weird that they're playing like a TV theme in the show. And then, you know, they cut the theme being like, is that enough? No, 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 no. Keep, keep, keep circling the pylons. Keep circling the pylons. And kicks back. <laughs> Just be in awe of the pylons, right? Yeah. I lost it. I think they only did it twice. I was hoping they'd do it like three or four times to just like continue the cringe. Wait, wasn't it like in the first season, they're in that like, it's it's in the episode where they're which is like the one we hate well the one I hated which is about the like it's parodying all the feature films where they're in the, they're in the shuttle and they're like all looking out kind of like the motion picture like uh, and, oh, yeah. and admiring the Cerritos and the music keeps just going on and on and on and on. <laughs> so I mean, the, I, I'm upset that they didn't give us the like caretaker reference where like Paris and uh, the Beta said Navigator are or study or like in the shuttle and then coming up to Voyager, you know, and deep, like mm. Dr. Deep Space Nine. But anyway, well, so when we, when we jump into the opening credits and it's at this point, pretty much the episode splits off into a few different places. Uh, Mariner and Jennifer, who are still going strong. Jennifer wants Mariner to meet her friends. Then Tendi, Boimler, and Rutherford go off on to Deep Space Nine while the command crew are negotiating with the Karima. So where do we want to start? Do we want to start on Deep Space Nine? Do we want to start with Mariner and talk about that plot briefly? I think the Mar Mariner, Mariner one is pretty, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Self-contained, um, right? How, yeah. how, how did you all feel about meeting your partner's friends for the first time? Not not too different. I mean, I didn't go about shooting them or stunning them at the end, but why not? I think the... <laughs> Thank God for that. Um, but but for, I think teaser. the beginning. Sorry, that's good. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the the beginnings were were pretty were, were realistic and and you know misconceptions, misinterpretations. Um, yeah, it was kind of like. It, it it for me it was it went off with that and what do you call it uh animatic license where they were like oh we're going to like you know each share and 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 when she didn't share they were like i think somebody was like a little mean to mariner so i felt like that was that was a little unrealistic but hey it's a, it's a cartoon so and then after that it just got funnier and funnier so but the beginning was very realistic i felt I do feel I, I like just, they're yeah. Go ahead, Bill. I was just gonna say I love the the party, the salon, and they're they're making candles, <laughs> and they all set an intention. I mean, it's such like a 
such a trope or such a cliche and but really well done really funny they all go to brunch the next day that's the part we didn't get to see the karima hadn't interrupted <laughs> they all like uh have a sleep or and go to brunch the next day uh, i mean yeah it is intimidating to meet your partner's friends for the first time i think that's what i was getting at i think i i i have a partner right now who is a very intensely close set of friends and they all have their like ways of like interacting with each other they've like formed over years and years of hanging out together and when i'm there i'm just like i don't know anything about you guys i'm clearly not dressed like to the appropriate level because i thought i had to dress nice to like meet you guys but all of you are wearing sandals and like shorts like what's happening and so i i sympathize with mariner a little bit where she's like i don't know what a salon fucking means <laughs> we're on a starship i didn't wear my Ritos t-shirt which I want that t-shirt, the Ritos t-shirt. Fantastic. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, so, so you know, she has to walk in and kind of acclimate to this new scene. Did Although, you, did you yeah. like, did you like empty a bottle of alcohol to like ease your nerves or something? Like oh, hell yeah. You go for the booze for the first like 10, 20 minutes so that, you know, later you could like relax and just like talk to them like a human being. And it's not like, my name is Notch. It is very nice to meet you. <laughs> he's listeners. He's doing robot arms. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel like Jennifer could have done a better job of preparing Mariner for the situation. Be like, listen, we're making candles and you should be wearing pajamas. <laughs> I think she alludes to that maybe somewhere later on the episode that she purposely set up the disconnect because she was expecting... Uh, you know uh some friction to happen and she wanted that friction to happen and and uh i guess that's what eventually made a mariner comfortable to go around and stun people yeah right uh my favorite part was that lady is i call this kobayashi maroon and she strips down into her like spandex and starts doing interpretive awesome. dance moves <laughs> did you yeah. did you take that so i want to be again respectful did you take that as interpretive dance moves or like a a, a kirk parody of him like bouncing all around the bridge i think there's a family guy kirk parody or something i don't know or some kind of anime kirk parody where he's just sort of like awkwardly bouncing around the bridge and and you know with his arms flailing and it, it felt a little bit like that and he ends up on it's the just, captain's chair with his legs spread apart and sees like his pants down because he's underwear. <laughs> Something like that. I, I mean, I think like, I'll, I'll jump ahead just a little bit. My, I think for me, it was like this brought up uncomfortable memories of that holodeck time where Mariner was just shooting all her colleagues. And I thought, I still mm. think that that was like, really kind of sick and gross like i didn't like that at all at the time and i still to this day it has uncomfortable flashbacks i still think like they didn't quite give give me enough motivation to sympathize with mariner shooting all the like i mean they're her crew like you know like maybe if one of them had like gone for the phaser and tried to like kill her that would be different but uh it was a little weird i mean yeah, absolutely right and even though the approach may have been technically sound like she literally went after each one of them shooting them maybe she uses like an area scan we've seen that before right an area mm -hmm. spread effect mode or something but uh yeah well so 
basically this this plot the whole point is you know i thought we were going in a very stereotypical direction with it which is like mariner like pisses off jennifer's friends jennifer is upset and then they break up like that's that's where i thought this was headed but it actually headed into a very heartwarming place i guess so i i um i mean it's it's all about again lessons we've spoken about this before in, in previous lds episodes and prodigy as well of of how to navigate these situations and and uh build build comfort with your uh mm-hmm. with new relationships and and and, and move forward so and when you say heartwarming, I, I don't know if you mean like a, a very peaceful, self-stunning of like they stun each other right at the end. But no, so, no, I, I think, I think the heartwarming, point. the heartwarming part to me was Jennifer saying, "No, I brought you here so that you can be yourself. I didn't want you here to like get along with them. I just wanted you to like, I want you to do whatever you would do in these situations. Like, be Mariner. Like in West Wing parlance, let Mariner be Mariner." Right, rather than rather than have like Mariner's trying very hard to be nice, which I I thought she would fail at. She didn't. She actually succeeded. Uh, so so and then they end up closer together because Jennifer's like, I love you for you, and that's really cool. You know, that's what I thought. Did that happen w- with your awkward situations? Not sorry, I keep <laughs> trying to drop battles. Uh, no, not because we didn't need to have that kind of conversation. You know, I but I I do like you know the first few times you try to meet someone's friends, you are a little bit more like, uh, or at least I am a little bit more like, uh, neutral and like not letting all of the crazy hang out as such. You know, like I'm the I. I, I will I will talk about enjoying sci-fi, but I'll wait for a little while to talk about enjoying track. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Did you guys read about uh, Tony Newsom's uh, conversation with the lead writer or or writers in changing the plot to be mo- the, the side plot to be more aligned with the main Deep Space Nine plot of power loss and and you know things. Yeah, so that 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 was interesting. Like she's been, she's a big Deep Space Nine Nine fan, and um, Did I honestly you read felt this, Bill. No. So basically, yeah, so, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead, Rudy. Go, go ahead, Rudy. Yeah, so uh, I'll paraphrase and, and summarize. Um, basically, she is a huge Deep Space Nine fan, and um, her plot, like the was was originally written to be pretty detached from Deep Space Nine um, or like the main plot of the Karima and um, uh, the power loss and all of that. Um, but she uh, she was not okay with that. So she had a conversation with the, with the writing team or the lead writer. I don't remember who specifically, but, uh, and they, 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 you know, went back and forth and debated, but then she was happy to um, find out that they changed the plot to, at least be proximal to Deep Space Nine. That that's what mm-hmm. I took from it. Notch was that accurate? Yeah, but and but they didn't really right. Like at least it like it, it corresponds <laughs> a little bit. But they didn't give her like a scene on Deep Space Nine. Well, at the very end, she comes in and Nerys is like, "Hey, Mariner, how you doing?" or whatever. Which is, it's still. I mean, honestly, like this is getting into like putting too much of, of like emotion into like a standalone quote from a celebrity. Like we don't really know what's going there, but Mariner got a scene on Deep Space Nine in earlier seasons. Like 
you know, I th- I thought it was a little strong to be like, oh, how did you not know I'm a fan? Like, how dare you leave my character behind? It's a little weird, to be honest with you. That was my reaction to it. But again, it doesn't really matter. Um, I yeah. I have to say, Nach, I completely agree. I felt it was refreshing for them to spend more time with other characters and discover other characters have amazing skills as well. And it's not just this one who has all the emotional complexities and all the amazing, um, you know, uh, uh, athletic skills. So it was nice to, but yeah, I didn't know about the whole Deep Space Nine background and being a fan or not. I'm sure everybody's a fan of something. I mean, I although, although Rudy, if I, if I put you into Lower Decks and you don't get to be on the Voyager tribute episode with Kate Mulgrew in the same scene, I guess you would probably be pissed. Everyone else on the show gets to do it and you're like, but, but, or Robert Picardo uh, is on the show and you don't get to like have a scene with him. Like that would, be, that would piss you off a little bit, I think. It would make me really happy because I'd already be over the moon and having got there. Um, and then if and then if I had the clout to, to go ahead and make a fuss to the writers, I'd be happy about that too. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, they just write me off. The, uh, all right, story. all right. Well, let's move on to the other storylines on the tacky Cardassian fascist architectural Deep Space Nine. <laughs> That's I, I really like that that Shaxus is Bajoran for this episode. Well, not for this episode, in this series, just because of all of the stuff he could do in this episode, it was amazing. Like him basically hating Deep Space Nine and then going up to Kira Nerys and being like, "Remember when I saved you here?" And she's like, "No, I saved you here." And he's like, "Well, that was payback for saving you here." <laughs> and I feel I feel that is actually also a very good. Um lens into how we interact in society in, in real life where it's like you go ahead no you go ahead no i am the person with better moral uh standing than you so don't take that away from me and 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 i love how they go through it throughout the episode it's not it, it didn't come across as like uh, you know boring and repetitive so so i i really i really like that uh as another like mirror to real life I mean, I also, I mean, it's also parodying how anytime a Bajoran resistance person came onto Deep Space Nine, Kira Nerys would be like, yeah, we're old buddies. We knew each other in Kazagon 3 and like the battle of whatever. Like she knows everybody and <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. There's like 17 Bajorans and Kira knows <laughs> yeah. all of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about the big piece here before we go to break. We got, we got, uh, Kira and Quark back, and not only are they back, um, they are voiced by Nana Visitor and uh, 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 Armin Shimmerman, which, I, I mean, I was disappointed that they didn't get Morn's voice actor back for him as well. But, <laughs> but really, but we, we got to take what we can get, right? For Whoever sure. they got to do Morn did a pretty good job, though, I, I think. Yeah, right. I mean, it was, it was spot on. The the acting was brilliant. Um, so what what'd you all think when, when Kira yeah. popped on the screen? Yeah, that was great. Um, and, you know, the unstated implication is that, like, you know, she's in charge of the station. Or maybe, or maybe it is stated. I don't know. So Kira's in charge of Deep Space Nine, which is cool. And um, it made me think 
is this the first time we've seen like a alpha canon character? And it's not, of course, there's um, Frakes or, you know, Riker um, in earlier seasons, but it hasn't happened a lot. It's pretty cool to see that crossover, to see the characters that we know actually appear in the she, she, I mean, it's not, not even just like a, a quick cameo, like Q or whatever. She actually gets like a full pan of the com- Deep Space Nine. I forget what that command deck is called, but like she comes up Ops. the lift ops she walks into her what used to be cisco's office now her office and then stands at a window and the wormhole opens and closes yeah um, yeah in front of her there's a lot that we get there yeah yeah she's got the baseball as well um it's really nice like it was refreshing to see um such characters come in and and stay with the main and like be a part of the main plot and stay with it as opposed to like a cliched cameo with like exaggeration right it felt uh i I just i don't know how quote-unquote expensive it is but i would love to see that more and more i i was i was missing so many other characters in deep space nine like when once you see two you're like why not three or or four and 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 and, um yeah i guess i guess it's just us being fans but uh it was really nice to see both of them yeah yeah it was kind of sad when they you know, they have to arrest Quark, and it's not Odo, right? Because right. Rene Aubergeois passed away a few years ago. So that was, I mean, you have to be a real Deep Space Nine fan, I think, to for that to occur to you. But that was kind of sad. I, you know, beyond the characters, I think they did a really good job of um, making it feel like Deep Space Nine with the animation and the, the kind of color palette um, was just spot on. And when they're walking down the promenade, you know, Rutherford is so like excited to go on the promenade and all the kind of bu- bustling activity in the shops and all the, the kind of cosmopolitan nature with all the different aliens intermingling really just felt just like Deep Space Nine to me. So I'll, I'll say this. He, Rutherford references vids. Like he wants to dangle his legs off the the promenade like they do i believe he says something about like hollow vids or something like that so is the reference here that deep space nine exists in the star trek world as a bunch of hollow novels no i think it would be um uh it's like a it's it would be like a tourist destination or some like exotic location so you there might be like you know, holodeck experiences where you could visit Deep Space Nine. I think that's. I think that was the idea. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll get into the actual mechanics of the plot that occurs on Deep Space Nine. It must have been so cool for you to hang out with another Orion. Yeah, sure. But actually, I'd rather just be working with you. Oh, <gasps> guess who got themselves reassigned? I'm doing security for you guys for the rest of the day. How lucky are you? Yes. Oh, that's great. Oh, wow. That's that's news. Hey, this calls for a little pirate shanty. Tandy, sing along. I know you know it. Where's cold and dark in the void of space? Nor I is take from every race. Welcome back to Strange New Takes, where we've been talking about how we all wanted simple Ellen Garrick to be on the on the episode. They gotta bring him back for another one, right? Like you, you can't not have Garrick. Like, come on, he's too good. They must be saving him for a future season or something. For his own See, show. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, genuinely, don't you think you could do a five-episode show with, with Garrick? Like, that's what the Section 31 show should be. It should be Garrick. 50-episode, man. Yeah, like, yeah, seriously. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you totally was, could. You could do childhood. You could do occupation um, before before the end of the war. You could do after the war. You could, oh my God, there's so much potential. Yeah, basically, I mean, we we just want a Garak type character, right? Again, I mean, I mean, I think the I think the actor who who played Garak is is probably getting a little up there now in age. So, <laughs> uh, I I don't know if um, if he'd be willing to come in and like play um play Garrick again Andrew Robinson was born in 1942 so he's 80 now so like you know it's it'd be a little bit of a of a ask although Patrick Stewart's doing it Patrick Stewart is headlining that's what we need Picard season three ends Picard and then we get Garrick it sounds so good like just just that as like a like a a name for a series just Garrick It, it can visually it looks like pleasing as well the first season is him like meeting some like android twin and then they go off and defeat the Romulans together. <laughs> uh, that's what we should deep fake. We should just change Picard into Garrick for the for Picard. <laughs> anyway, um, let's get back to the show. Uh, we, we were we were talking about Deep Space Nine, and it was kind of it was a little weird to see our like lower decks characters. Like I know the Deep Space Nine is animated; it wasn't like a photorealistic Deep Space Nine. It was still weird seeing like Freeman, Ransom, and these guys like in ops, like or in Cisco's office. It was a little strange, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, it is to have that crossover. It really like hammers home the point that it's canon and actually exists in the main universe, which is mm-hmm. which is. I mean, I'm fine with it, but it is kind of hard because it has such a different tone and it's, I mean, it's a comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, for me, it's in a way like reassuring and it lends more credulity to the, to the, to the Lower Decks show. But yeah, I can see from a, from a stylistic perspective, it's, 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 it's different. So it can come across as jarring. Even from like, I mean, I guess warp travel solves everything, but like, where is the city is usually normally deployed, or, or in general, ships like, just go all over the place, and I guess that's the case, right? We've seen that so much with, with all these other ships except Voyager, which took forever to get back. But, um, you could be in sector zero zero one on one in one episode, and you could be a deep space nine another, and you could be, uh, in another quadrant another. So. I, I think this was a good usage of Deep Space Nine, though, in terms of, like, their actual presence and its presence in the plot. I think it actually served a good purpose. Like, okay, they're part of, like, this post-Dominion War cleanup, which we have seen so little of on Star Trek. It's in a lot of Star Trek books, the post-Dominion War days, and, like, how Starfleet and the Federation reels after do- the Dominion War is over. Like, what, what happens to to the different species, to the, to the traffic between the two quadrants? Um, so to get that, I think was good, and then um, it, it was kind of a good opportunity again to bring like a bit part species back to 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 play a role. I thought in this episode, so it didn't feel like it was like kind of just there for like fan service. It actually played some purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Continuity. Yeah. So okay. We, we get the Karima. The diplomacy goes very poorly. Uh, Freeman tries to take the Karima down to Quarks to, 
to, to kind of be like, hey, you can have trade. You can be like kind of like the Ferengi. And then they, they notice that Quark is using their technology and haul him away. <laughs> Which at that point I was like, yep, this is exactly how the Cerritos running first contact would go. But I'd like to jump in here and 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 maybe back Captain Freeman a little bit. Um, considering the situation she was put in, um, I was a little surprised that she got irritated at it because it's like a great opportunity, but again, you don't get time to plan. Mm-hmm. I, I think the conversations that she had, like the, the, the style in which she was like, you know, like a good salesman, like... Uh, it's a pity, but because we had gifts and, and they're like, oh, well, let's sit down and talk. And, and then they get irritated at like whatever she's offering. She's like, oh, let's go to Quark. So just in terms of focusing on Freeman and her quote unquote abilities, inabilities as, as a, as a captain and therefore being, you know, designated only a California class ship. I think she did pretty okay. And she's like, it, it, it was very, it was very realistic in how she was like oh my god how did we get from like trade negotiations to kidnapping um what do you guys think do you think it was she do did she do a bad job i thought she did okay she tried the best she could it was realistic i i think that given the fact that the karima were like the way they were kind of abrasive and ready for battle you're right like i think i think this is this is something that any other star trek writers could have written for picard written for cisco like but it's just because the context is there that the ship like the cerritos does like all of these bogus missions and we're like okay uh yeah like you're, you're willing to blame all of the problems on her yeah and maybe maybe the cerritos shows what you know real life uh, negotiations are like everything's not like airbrushed and glossy and mm-hmm. Picard like um, so yeah it's I mean it was I feel like this is also one of the more substantial episodes of Lower Decks in terms of its content like on the stakes like this is this is an important thing that they're doing it's not just like the room lottery or whatever like this is an actual diplomatic mission so um, at, at the end of the day, it all works out, right? Like, it's not, you know, everyone's drinking together in Quarks at the end. Drinking those, those I forget the name of those drinks, but those multi-layered drinks that I think I remember seeing in, in Deep Space Nine. Um, it's a something Nova sunrise. Way. It's like a Castilian sunrise or something like that. Aperitif, I don't know. Yeah, yeah right. Well, from the Quark 2000. Well... Um, we, we see the other lower deckers other than Mariner walking around on the promenade getting into hijinks and I love that we finally met a another Orion in Starfleet and he was like super into Orion piracy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was Go the ahead, best storyline of this episode, right? So, you know, ten, he's making Tendi super uncomfortable. Rutherford is oblivious. He's just like, yeah, this is awesome. And, and the guy, yeah, the guy's kind of just, you know, a, a walking stereotype. And then, of course, we find out that the guy, his, his personal backstory, it's basically Worf, right? He was adopted uh-huh. by, and, and you know, Worf is so into like Klingon stuff and honor. And, you know, part of the deal is that's because he, you know, is compensating for, for being raised by humans. Um, so the same thing is true with this guy, Mesk. And then, then when that's revealed, you know, he becomes much more sympathetic and he and Tendi reconcile. I did notice as 
as a, a guy who grew up in the Midwest in Wisconsin, as soon as, or no, before in that scene, before we kind of figure out that he was raised in Ohio, he he develops a really thick Midwestern accent. Really? And, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I I mean I, I noticed it before they made the reveal. I was like, whoa, is this guy like this actor is <laughs> like is is from Michigan or something? <laughs> I lo- so he, this is this is Mesk, the character Mesk, played by Adam Bally. Adam Bally is born in New York, New York, actually. So uh, not from the Midwest, but good for good for him for going in character. He's been in Iron Man three. He was in Sonic the Hedgehog, and he's currently in uh, a couple of other things like a TV series named UTAP. So uh, interesting, interesting character to bring on the show. Also, we learned through his hijinks that Tendi is actually a bona fide fucking Orion, like. Uh, she knows she knows her way around like stealing a ship. <laughs> I mean, she's gonna be a badass science officer, right? On, on, like anybody who wants somebody like that on their bridge crew. Um, and and I mean, we've seen previous episodes and in, in previous seasons where she's kind of, um, you know, partner with Mariner. Um, I think that was on on Orion or like escaping from some kind of Orion situation. But we didn't quite see because it was always in quote unquote the shadow of Mariner. But this was it was a short sequence, maybe five minutes. It was it was awesome. Like it was all compressed into whatever she could do with that uh, Orion version of a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that 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 was um, that was that was really really amazing. And, and maybe stepping back a little bit, um, going back to Mesk, the way he was introduced and the way he was talking up Tendi. I had these vibes about like he's like totally trying to make a play for like Tendi and 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 she's kind of sensing that and he's gonna be this like really douchey Orion guy and, and maybe <laughs> Rutherford will come to the rescue but the way it just sort of flips was was really was really funny it was it uh, I liked it yeah yeah and and I I my favorite part was where he starts singing the Orion sea shanties <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of Orion pirates having sea shanties, but hell yeah, of course they do. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, Tendi's a badass enough pirate that she doesn't let a gold tooth go by her. She like yanks it out of the guy's face. Oh my god! And then she's like running in with such like fury and like a, such a scary face that the guy jumps into the warp core. <laughs> into oblivion, like you don't hear a thud or anything. Yeah. He's just like ah. he jumps into the freaking warp core. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was sad. That was the uh, Latinum tooth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, it's hilarious. Um, well, and while all of this is happening, Boimler is winning at Dabo. <laughs> I was so afraid for him. I was like, he's going to lose it all uh, in, in like spectacular, a spectacular failure fashion and he's going to be devastated. Um, but uh, he... he even when they like give him that deal he's like no i'll take it man and they don't really show that he he picked the wrong deal i guess you can you can presume that he did but um they it it ended well like he had a he had a he had a no high stakes kind of episode where he is amazingly successful or a complete failure and it's good to have that middle ground um uh, toad for him from time to time 
Well, and I mean, it was a it was a commentary, a brief commentary on like Star Trek economics again, right? Like Boimler wins all this stuff in gambling, and he's like, "Well, I've I've got all this money," and then when he's offered like a store credit, typically all of us would be like, "No, we want cash," but cash is worthless in Star Trek. But Quark's bar credit is not like. Yeah. Uh, that was great. I just I wish we had. Um, Michael Burnham in there being like, but can you explain to me how profit and economics works? Like, I don't understand, a la Wonderlands. <laughs> like, why, why, what is gambling? Like, the, 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 we're, we're betting on resources? I don't understand. I come from a future where that doesn't happen. Like, yeah. What's the you money? Mean, you mean uh, why would two people want to exchange goods and services? Like, what, what's the money? <laughs> Can't we just barter? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Boimler leaves with a, a shit ton of store credit for Quark. So in future episodes, you better be buying the drinks for everybody at those places. Um, uh, we we do get a Ferengi pit boss that is not uh, Rom. I was hoping it was going to be Rom that was going to be in there, but uh, instead we get an unnamed pit boss played by Gil Ozeri. Uh, who's able to to, to talk Boimler into taking the store credit. And all's well that ends well. It turns out Quark wasn't actually being hauled away back to the Delta Quadrant as a hostage. He was being hauled away and arrested. So they're able to, as we talked about earlier, resolve, Freeman's able to resolve the crisis. And we're all able to sit and have drinks together where Dr. Ta'ana is slurping her drink like a cat. You guys see that? I miss that. She's, she's got a tall glass. She's like putting her tongue into yeah. the glass to like slurp water in. It's fucking hilarious. I love the little animated details of the show, you guys. I, um, I, going back to that, right? Like even even with the promenade, like it was it was you said it was designed in in um, Deep Space Nine fashion. Like there were small details. Like there was like a Bajoran priest or a Vedic or something on the upper le- uh, level walking and. It was it was really nice. Like, I almost feel like I'll have withdrawal symptoms when the next episode comes along. I won't have any connect uh, existing Trek or yeah, all right. Trek. You know, uh, um, something just occurred to me. This is a, a minor but important part of canon for Deep Space Nine nerds. So this this uh, lower decks episode shows that Bajor has still not joined the Federation, um, which was always something that they kind of played with well they won't they uh during deep space nine and it was kind of they kind of position it as if it's you know bound to happen sooner or later but not yet apparently i wonder if they'll make that a plot point somewhere hmm. i feel like it would be like there seem to be links between the cerritos and deep space nine that are strong enough to bring them back there so there's like some big negotiation yeah. Well, you guys, you guys know that Kira is um, going to be in Picard season three. What? It's no. it's not it's not it's not like confirmed yet, but it's basically all signs indicate that that will happen. Wow. And there's no definitely idea. like a post Dominion War. I think that's what the whole season's plot is built around. Interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will have to watch that and see. By the way, news out that we are going to get um, 
Prodigy back soon. Did you guys see this? No. no. Uh, we are we are certainly gonna get Prodigy. I believe it is right after uh, Lower Decks that they're gonna return with the end of the the back half of the 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 first season. It's the first episode is gonna be on the twenty seventh of okay. October. So it's like literally right after Prodigy because the sixth of October will be episode seven. 8 on the 13th, 9 on the 20th. In fact, we might have some overlap with uh, two episodes of Lower Decks and... Oh, one episode of Lower Decks and one episode of Prodigy on the same day. Crazy. Hmm. And then do we just have a gap between that and Picard Season 3? I, I think so. They, have they confirmed the dates yet for Picard? February. February? I don't think there's an exact date, but yeah, February is what they've said. I think... I think prodigy has like 10 episodes in the back half of the season so that yeah maybe they'll they'll just take a break after the holidays or something like that yeah 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 it's february 16th in fact very precise oh really okay so yeah they they might take january off and then come back february well any other final points on this episode before we go into ratings come to quirks quirks is fun come to quirks don't walk run (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty great that's it <laughs> that's pretty great on that note let's go into strange new ratings i'm gonna stick my neck out and give this a rating nine out of ten for me this was a show that was really good i think it, it didn't quite hit the like you know in the pale moonlight test of of <laughs> of like you know just having profound implications <laughs> but it was really good and it was filled with like you know a lot of nostalgia and reminisce reminiscing for me so nine out of ten yeah i'll do it eight out of ten yeah i liked it a lot i thought the the mariner and the um boimler threads were just not quite tens out of ten for me but the um the tendy and rutherford plot line was for sure so eight out of ten awesome yeah i'll I'll go and give it I'll give it an 8.5. Um, uh, same reasons um, in giving it a above 8 uh, as Notch and same reasons in not giving it a 9 um, <laughs> as Bill. 8.5 uh, Orion Swiss Army Knives. Or Orion Army Knives. <laughs> I'll put Swiss in there, right? <laughs> Orion Army Knives. Maybe, maybe they have a province called Swiss on the... On the... <laughs> uh on on their on their planet well anyway thank you rudy thank you bill for talking about this episode i think we all get very excited about the episodes where they have nice callbacks like this these are the best ones to talk about with your friends so i'm glad we were able to do it together thank you it was fun of course yeah and thank you dear listener for making us a part of your week as usual we always appreciate it uh thank you adam thank you emily wherever y'all are whatever it is y'all are doing hope y'all are having a great time and uh, thank you just to go up recording our theme music. We always appreciate you here strumming away on the guitar from, for us. And special thanks this week to the guy who jumped into the warp core. Because, like, if he had just stuck around and fought, like, maybe he would have defeated Tendi and Rutherford. Who knows? But we didn't have to deal with that. He just jumped into the warp core and we could stop the Karima ship. And it, could, and it didn't need to uh, go through the wormhole. Special thanks to that guy. All right, thanks everybody. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.